Sinterklaas, Miklaus, St. Nicholas, and Santa Claus. As a Christian, how should we be teaching our children about who Santa Claus is? Should we even be teaching our children Santa Claus? We'll discuss that and more here on The Theological Patriot. This episode of the Theological Patriot podcast is brought to you by tea. With it being the Christmas season, today I'm drinking the caramel apple pie tea from Master's Hand Candle Company. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not checked them out, please, please, please go to Master's Hand in Tacoma, Nebraska. Check out their Piper and Leaf tea selection. And the caramel apple is fan fantastic with it being this time of year caramel apples taking any apple dipping it in nice warm caramel that is what you will experience when you drink this tea so ladies gentlemen head over to mastershandcandles.com and go check out their wide selection of teas Now, with it being the Christmas season, the time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, there is a debate amongst Christians with what do we do with Santa Claus? Do we take our children to see Santa Claus? Do we just avoid the subject altogether? Do we just go all gung-ho about it? How do we approach it as Christians? Now, your preference is your preference. I am very much of the mindset of if it is not spoken against, if you are not worshiping this figure, if you're not lying to your children, if your conscience is clear, you do what you want to do. My job is not to tell you what to believe outside of doctrine. If you want to do Santa Claus, if you want to do all of your presents come from Santa Claus, you go for it. That is your choice. Me personally, I am fine with the Santa Claus, with going to the mall, all those kinds of things. However, with our son, I prefer to do the story of St. Nicholas. That I tend to be more of a historical figure kind of person. And while Santa Claus, with how our culture has portrayed him to be living at the North Pole, having elves making toys all year round, coming down to the chimney of every good boy and girl, giving them presents, eating milk and cookies, having this jolly laugh, this ho, 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 all of that, that's perfectly fine. However, 
when you look at who this man is based on, who Santa Claus is based on, you realize there is so much more to who this man was than just a jolly fat guy that comes down our chimneys that knows when we're sleeping, knows when we're awake, knows if we've been bad or good. You all know the song. When you look at who was this Nicholas, the story about this man is fantastic. He was a man who was born in the third century. He lived in the village of Patera in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. He was born to very, very wealthy parents. This young man had want for nothing. Anything that he wanted, he could have. He was raised as a devout Christian, loved his parents. However, with many, many stories, his parents died during an epidemic while he was a young man. As he grew older and coming to grips with his parents' death and seeing the wealth that he had, he decided to follow what Jesus told the rich young ruler that he told him to sell, that he saw the the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, talking to this rich young ruler who in many ways was the exact same as Nicholas, had all that he wanted, but the difference was when the rich young ruler heard Jesus say that if you want to inherit eternal life, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all that you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Now come and follow me. However, when Nicholas heard, read these words, he approached it differently. Instead of going away sad as the rich young ruler, Nicholas decided to use his inheritance to assist the needy, to take all that he had, give money to the poor. That he would use his money to help the needy, the sick, the suffering. That there were stories of him completely anonymously walking through the streets that he would, he overheard someone who was, who was in need. And then the next day there would show up a bag of gold coins. No one knew who it was. No one knew 
how it came about. No one had, no one suspected anything. No one knew that it was this wealthy man. Another story, one of the most famous ones about Nicholas is that there was this poor man who had three daughters. Now, the only way that um, a father during those days could offer up his perspective, his daughters to his perspective husbands was um, through what's called a dowry or money or property that the woman would um, would bring to the marriage, that it was in a sense a payment that was necessary in order to marry a young man, that the larger the dowry, the better chance that a young woman had to find a good husband and to not just be married off to anyone that would have her. And if you didn't have a dowry, it was very unlikely that you would marry at all. And for this man, he didn't have money to have a dowry. He didn't have anything to offer. And if he couldn't come up with something, his daughters would be sold into slavery. And mysteriously, on three separate occasions, a bag of gold appeared in their home providing what they needed to have a good dowry. These bags of gold were tossed through open windows and they were said to have landed in stockings or shoes that were left out by the fire to dry. And it came about that someone saw Nicholas that somehow he was discovered. And so that's how the tradition of people hanging stockings over a fireplace came about. But see, this brief story about Nicholas having, in a sense, more money than he knew what to do with, and taking how God had blessed him and using that to bless others. That's a way that Christians should be seen. Now, there's definitely nothing wrong with having money. God gives us that money. God gives us that opportunity but it's how you use that money. Do you bless others? Do you have the mindset of this is my money and I'm going to do with it what I want? Or do you have the mindset this is God's money? And because he's blessed me, I'm going to bless someone else.
Now, the story of Nicholas kind of takes a different turn. He, when he grew up, he became a bishop, which was, in some senses, a pastor of the local city in, uh, in Myra, which is um, in the southern Mediterranean, in his native, what we would call Turkey, that he was loved throughout the land for his generosity to those in need, that he loved on the children. He was concerned for sailors being on the Mediterranean. He saw many sailors go out and never come back. That he had concern for them. And then during the time period of 284 to 305 AD, there was a Roman emperor that came to power named Diocletian. And he was a ruthless ruler. That he was one who hated the Christians, that he saw them as a threat. And as we do with many things that we see as threats, we want to get rid of them. And so Diocletian persecuted the Christians. And during this persecution, Nicholas was thrown in prison and he was tortured for being a Christian, that he was exiled for being a Christian. That it's said that the prisons were so full of bishops, priests, and deacons that there was no room for the real criminals, for the murderers, the thieves, the robbers, those that deserved to be in prison. That's how messed up that this emperor was, that he hated the Christians so much that there was no room for the real criminals. But as time went on, a new emperor came to power, a man named Constantine. And Constantine was a Christian. This is when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And because Nicholas was so well known and he was one of he was a bishop, he went to this council that Constantine wanted to put together because there were certain heresies that had arisen called the Arian heresies. Basically, it's the idea that Jesus wasn't divine. That Jesus 
wasn't a part of the Trinity. And they debated the nature of Jesus and they debated the Trinity. And during this very heated discussion and debate, Nicholas becomes so infuriated at this man, Arius, who is teaching that Jesus the Son is not equal to God the Father, that he's not truly the Son, that in, with him being the Son of God, that he is less than God, that he is not equal with God in the Trinity. That during this, this discussion and hearing Arius make his arguments, Nicholas became more and more agitated until he could take it no more. That he was so outraged that Nicholas got up from his seat, crossed the room, and he slapped Arius across the face. Some say he punched him in the face. That they believe it was that all of the bishops sitting there were in shock. That it was so unheard of for a bishop to lose their cool and to be so hot-headed in this assembly. And as a as a result of this, Nicholas has his position taken away that they stripped him of his bishop garments, that he was chained, then that he was thrown in prison. And this kept him away from this meeting. And as time went on, Nicholas lived his life as one who loved the Lord. That there were just examples given of how this man who really in many senses had no reason outside of the love of Christ to want to do anything that he did. That he was a very, being a very wealthy man he didn't have to give away his fortune. He didn't have to help out that poor man with his daughter's dowry. He didn't have to become a bishop.
the only thing that was pushing him was his love for Christ. Now, while I'm not one to call people Saint Nicholas, Saint Paul, Saint John, we can see from the scriptures anyone that has their faith in Christ, they are a saint. That this man, while some may call him Saint Nicholas, while some may take part of his story and say, this is what made him a saint. While the world takes this the story of him giving away his money and has morphed it into this jolly man that gives gifts to people that are good. For me... I prefer to focus on this man who loved God, this man who was willing to give up everything to serve his community to love on his people, to care for the children, to have concern for sailors and seamen, to be willing to be persecuted for his faith. And one who loved his Lord so much that he was willing to act act very rashly because there was someone that was speaking heresy against his savior So whether you want to tell your children about Santa Claus, whether you want to give presents and say they're from Santa Claus, whether you focus on Jesus and his birth alongside teaching about Santa Claus and doing the gifts and all of that, that is perfectly fine. And while during this Christmas season, we remember the birth of Jesus, 
the second person of the Trinity coming to earth, being truly human, being tempted in every way that we are, being as human as you and I, yet without sin. While we focus on that, at the same time, we can remember this man who lived his life in response to the one that we celebrate at Christmas. That we can absolutely and we should celebrate Jesus and his birth, his willingness to humble himself and come and be our perfect sacrifice. At the same time, we can celebrate and remember those that lived their lives in response to that. So I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. I hope that you celebrate the birth of Jesus, that you remember why he came to save us from our sins, to be that sacrificial lamb so that we can be made right with God. I hope you remember that. And at the same time, you remember this man, Nicholas, the Bishop of Myra, who lived his life, gave up a fortune to show the love of Christ to those that he loved. I'm Jeff Rubidoux, and I'm the Theological Patriot.